All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Tim's here. I'm here. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Tim? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I stayed up last night, watched the whole game, and happy for the avalanche, but sad that hockey's over for now. Was it a satisfying finish? Everybody wants us to go to seven. Everybody wants that final game, winner-take-all scenario. The playoffs in a whole, all four rounds. Did you think it was a satisfying Stanley Cup playoffs 2022 edition? Was it everything you thought it was going to be? The playoffs, yes. The finish, no. It was. It felt very unsatisfying. For one, I, I always like when teams win at home, and I feel like most of the time it seems like they win on the road. Uh, when they when they clinch the cup, and it's just not quite the same. The energy's not there. The fans aren't there. In the same. They're not present in the same way, but and also the the way that the game ended was kind of strange. Where there was that play that should have maybe been an icing. Everyone thought it was going to be an icing. The ref waves it off. It was like twenty seconds left. Hedman was not even moving, and all of a sudden he's trying to get it back up the ice, and it just felt a little funny. Didn't really that last minute or so didn't really feel like it matched the rest of the series and the rest of the plays the playoffs. So it felt a little unsatisfying and a little bit confusing. Um, but the playoffs as a whole was, I thought, I thought it was tremendous. You thought it was tremendous. I, you think I wait, take do you a think either stance. of us have ever said the word tremendous on this show before. Yeah, I do. I've never said it I'm doing the show for like three years. I think we have, I will take the opposite stance. I don't think it was a great playoffs as far as like just viewership. The first round was epic. I thought it was incredible. There was great matchups top to bottom. Even the West, which I thought was going to be a wash, turned out to be really, really exciting. You had Edmonton, L.A. You had, well, Colorado swept, but then you had a couple other good matchups. And then the East was just, it was great. The second round, not as good. The third round, not nearly as good. And then the Stanley Cup Finals, I felt like, there was glimpses of really good hockey. The first game when Colorado took it four, three in overtime, that was great. Then they get the whitewashing seven, nothing. That wasn't very fun. Tampa answers back. There was really only two was game six. Good two to one. 
I guess the best series in the playoffs was the one I said it was Toronto Tampa Bay in the first round. That one goes to seven. It's epic. Tampa comes back. They're down three to two. It was incredible. It was a lot of fun to watch that series, but as a whole, I, I I'm unsatisfied. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving this season wanting more. I wish, I wish it would have been more exciting, especially like you mentioned the third period of a two, one game, the Stanley Cup Finals, and I know everyone is talking about this, will talk about this. Why did this happen? It was it was either Tampa Bay didn't perform or Colorado just just as a great defensive team. Because it, w- it was just a masterclass of we will give you no time, we will give you no space, and you will like it. And there's nothing you can do. And that's what happened. Colorado completely, completely shut down anything Tampa Bay wanted to do. And to go to that icing call, in that sequence, the ref almost called icing like a minute before where Colorado cleared it. And I thought that one was icing or wasn't icing. Excuse me. I think it was McDonough going back or somebody else. And you could tell he was straight legging it, not, not skating very fast. And the ref waved it off. And I just, that was in the back of his head. It was the same ref, same corner. And you could tell Hedman was trying to sell it. And he's like, not again, icing. I'm sorry. We, we, or no, he waved it off. He's like, we're not going to call this one icing. So I think that's, that played a part in that. And that, not that that was going to change anything, but to get an offensive zone face off, that's what Tampa Bay was trying to get. You get the offensive zone face off. You call the timeout. You get your first line some rest. You get some guys out there, and you hopefully win the draw, which Tampa was not good at this series in general. Winning draws was – they were struggling all series long. Every time Colorado had an offensive zone face off, they would win it. But anyways, that's why I think the ref waved that one off because a minute before, that he the same, the same scenario where I was like, I'm screaming at the team. I'm like, that is not icing. That is not icing. He calls it. I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. And then, then he, re- he righted the ship and called the second one off, and I was very happy. Well, let's, let's zero in on game six. An ideal start for Tampa Bay. You're at home. The crowd's in it. You're involved. You get the first goal. Away we go. Stamkos gets on the board. A bad turnover by Kale McCarr uncharacteristic of him to kind of turn that over in that situation in front of the net. Yes, he does, you know, take chances, but usually when he's behind the goal in front of the net, he's, he's very good with the puck, a turnover. Stamkos gets the goal. I think here we go. Tampa's going to, away we go. We're going to game seven. Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley cup. What do you think? What do you, what is your, what is your head thinking, Tim, at that point? Uh, I did too, especially they, they looked so good in the first period, Tampa Bay. Um, and there was a couple of plays where there was one play where um, uh, what's Branton had made like a diving pass. We got t- tangled up with Stamkos and he threw it in front of the net. I think McKinnon was there, just deflected off the post and it was a good play. But other than that one, I remember thinking like, man, Tampa's doing such a good job blocking shots, clearing the front of the net. They're letting Vasilevsky see the puck. And I'm like, I thought the same thing. I'm like, all right, this, this one's going seven. Um, but obviously it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. I think in the whole series, what, what I came away with was Tampa's really good at blocking shots as a whole, the six games, I wonder what the final number is. I, I, I should have looked at it before the show, but it seemed to me Colorado threw at least a game, 75 to hundred shots on net and Tampa Bay blocked 30 to 40 shots a game. It was incredible. The amount of shots that were blocked. I don't know if this is a factor of 
Colorado just trying to get pucks on net to make Vasilevsky just tired and work and throw everything on him, and and something's going to go in. Because when you look at Colorado's goals throughout the series, they weren't the the tic-tac-toe pretty goals that we're accustomed to them seeing. It was off your skate, off your ass, you know, a, a deflection, uh, a rebound. It wasn't the tink-tink-tink Colorado goals that we, that we saw when they played Edmonton, when they played Nashville, when they played St. Louis. This was a workman-type series for Colorado where they didn't just try to outskill Tampa Bay. They outworked them. Top to bottom, they threw the puck in, they got the puck, they cycled, they went low to high, they got pucks on net, they got rebounds, and that's how they won this game. I know game two, they won 7 nothing, but that was, an, that was an anomaly. That was the outlier. For the whole series, Colorado, when you look at their goals, Nathan McKinnon's first goal for Pete's sake was off his skate. Cogliano took one off the shin. It was, you know, guys block, uh, the puck hits the guy's glove. It hits Vasilevsky in the neck, and Nishushkin picks up the rebound. It wasn't really tic-tac-toe pretty goals. And you saw the same thing last night when it's a pass that's going across from McKinnon. It hits Sergachev's skate, and all of a sudden, Lykanen has an open net, and he buries it. That's not how that play was supposed to happen. But it was just Colorado's constant pressure. When you're a, def- when you're a team and you're always on the defense, it wears on you. In Tampa Bay, it was game after game after game of just shift after shift of Colorado getting the puck in the neutral zone, regrouping, and here we come again. There was no sequence of four, five, six minutes where Tampa Bay was just all over Colorado. Even when they win those two games, it felt like Colorado had more zone time, more shot attempts, more dangerous attempts, and was the more aggressive team. There was never a moment in the series where I thought, wow, Tampa dominated that period or Tampa dominated that game. It was, it was Colorado series. They dominated every game in my eyes. Even the one Tampa Bay, when they won 6-2, I just kept expecting Colorado to come back because, like I said, they were the aggressor. They took it to Tampa Bay. Tampa would chip it out. Colorado would regroup, and away we go. There were so many times when they would show the stats on the TV. It's like, oh, they've been in the zone for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. They're gassed. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. That didn't happen very often in Colorado. It was mostly Tampa Bay on their heels, defending, defending, and Colorado. Eventually, every single game, they broke them. There's only so many times you can go back and get a puck and try to break it out before you make a mistake, and Colorado took advantage of it. Yeah, you look at last night's game too. Like it was, like you said, a pretty a pretty tight game. Obviously, two to one, low scoring. Only fifty three combined shots to net across both teams. Well, each team had one penalty and one power play. It was a pretty tight game. One of those games where teams are kind of like trying not to make the mistake, trying to play pretty responsibly, um, trying to play a little bit carefully, even. And you think you think about a game like that, you're like, oh, that's right up Tampa's alley. That's the game they want to play. They'll do that, and then they'll capitalize on one or two mistakes, and they'll score, and then. That's the game that they that's the game that they, they want to play. And it's kind of credit to Colorado to show how far this this group has gone and how far they've developed and matured over the last couple of years. Cause you think of them as like a young and gun, high flying offense team, and they wouldn't have been able to win a game like that a couple of years ago. And now they are. Um, it's kind of a credit to the pieces that they've added and the growth of the players like the Landis Gogs and McKinnons and those other guys who are able to adapt and we talked about McKinnon not being really one to jump in front of shots, you know, in general, but he was doing it last night for sure. He's out there at the end of the game. That's fantastic. You know, you're there when it's a clinching Stanley cup game and you're Jared Bedner, or is that his name? The coach Jacob, Jared, Jared Bedner. 
and you can put out your best player in the defensive zone and say, go win us the Stanley Cup. That was great. I thought this is Nathan McKinnon's moment. He he embraced it and he took it out. He blocked a shot. He chips it out. Colorado wins the Stanley Cup. It, it was it was a a moment where I was like, okay, this this guy's going to take over the league. It wouldn't surprise me if Colorado goes on a run now. They they have tasted the success for as much as Tampa Bay did that three years ago. I think they're passing passing the chalice or the grail, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm butchering this saying, but I think it's Colorado's time now they they really did grow up at the beginning of the season what did we say who who's going to be there at the end it's like well avalanche but they haven't proven themselves yet can they do can they get that monkey off their back can they prove to everybody that they can win the big game and they did and it was nathan mckinnon gabe landeskog kale mccarr it was their top guys that got them there and got them the got them the cup winner but let's go to the avalanche goals because i I have never seen so much controversy every single goal where Tampa Bay is complaining and moaning and whining every time Colorado scored. And this is not just this game. It was previous games too, with the too many men Cooper, like almost bawling at the press conference. (laughs) You guys will see it. It's like, okay. McKinnon gets the first goal. Great goal. Delayed penalty. They have the extra attacker. I don't know how much that played into a part of this, but after the goal, I'm I'm like watching it. Tampa Bay's players are losing their mind. They're, they're up in arms. They're yelling at the ref. They're trying to get the ref to come to the bench and talk about this. The ref have a little powwow in front of the, the penalty box. I'm trying to figure out what's happening here. The reason they were so upset is because the delayed penalty was up. Nick Paul pushes the puck up to the defenseman. So he does touch the puck. But the ref's hand wasn't up yet. Did the ref intend to put his hand put his hand up before Nick Paul touches the puck? We don't know. But I can see why Tampa Bay is a little upset. Did you see this play, Tim? And what do you thought? Them... They have a right to be upset about this. Well, yeah, that's what happened. I, I I saw them being upset, and I didn't catch like what what the thing was. And um, I have to go back and watch that. But yeah, they were they were complaining to the refs for most of the game. It seems like so. It's an interference call in front. Nick Paul gets the puck and he just shoots it out to the, you know, trying to go to the neutral zone, but he, he doesn't get all of it. And it goes to the blue line and he chases it down. But obviously the defenseman grabs it, gives it over to Landis Gog or McKinnon. And then that's all she wrote. They ended up getting the one timer. Great shot by McKinnon. I, 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 for as much as I don't like Tampa Bay complaining, I think they have a case here. I don't know if this is a reviewable offense but the penalty had already occurred. When, when you look at the penalty, it was an interference call on Tampa Bay's defense. When I don't know who it was there, but he hooks down. I think it was Lycanen. He's already on the ice before Nick Paul touches the puck. So the penalties occurred. The ref, rightfully so, has a human reaction. He has to process it. Process it. He's like, okay, he's down. His stick's in his waist. I'm going to call the interference. The hand's going up. Nick Paul has already touched a puck. The whistle should have went. I get that. I totally get that. But, you know, the say la vie, what are you going to do? Wash your hands of it. One, one, we move on to the second goal. Lycanen gets a goal. The uh, Tampa Bay is up in arms about this as well. In They're in the offensive zone. Manson collides with uh, Belmar. Belmar goes down. It's a tripping call. What's going on? Patrick Maroon's so upset. Belmar's losing his mind. What do you think about this? Because, again, they're complaining. Two to one. Colorado's losing their mind. Was this a penalty in your eyes? 
Yeah, this one I did see. And you saw McDonough and Maroon, like, yeah, like you said, lost their mind at the rap the second that. And it was such a confusing play, too, because McKinnon's got it, shoots it, the puck never makes to the goalie, bounce back off uh, over to Lakin and Lakin and scores. And they're just furious. And this one I thought for sure was a penalty. I don't know how they missed it. But I think between the two, you can be, you know, usually those things you, you want to go at 50 50. Like you, you, you get one, you lose one, and it sort of evens itself out over the course of the game. And I can see why the Avalanche, you know, that's the kind of thing that would keep someone up at night. If you lose the cup, you, you allow two goals and they both have kind of big question marks around them. Then this is a case of we talk about it every year. Every single year, this is a topic of conversation. In the playoffs, the refs put their whistles away. And everybody debates this. Should they do that? Is this the right way to do things? Because it, it, it happens every single year. And it's always the losing team who complains, oh, we got the worst. That should have been a penalty. That should have been a penalty. That should have been a penalty. What do you think? Do you think the ref should call it like they do in the regular season, be consistent from day one of the regular season till game whatever of the Stanley Cup finals? Because it's night and day. And it even is night and day throughout the series. In round one, they were still calling it fairly tight. Round two, it loosened up a little bit. Round three, you can see the progression. And in the Stanley Cup Finals, there was there was nothing. Each team had one power play. That's it. If you, there's no way in the regular season, there's only two penalties being called in that game. There was guys flying everywhere. There was stick work. There was hitting from behind. There was cross checks. It was a very physical game. In that one instance when Tampa Bay got scored on game or goal two, Pat Maroon breaks his stick over Josh Manson's leg, and the ref standing right there. And that's not a penalty. So what do you think? Is this, is this the right way to go about this? Do you think that this should be the, the process of what happens to just continually call less and less penalties and let the players take care of it? I like that they, you know, tighten the game and put the whistles away. But I think more importantly, you got to be consistent. The players need to know what's happening on the ice and what the stakes are. And I think the refs did a pretty good job with that. I mean, one power play each. Um, and like you said, like you could have called the, was it Manson for, for interfering with Belmar, but then you don't call Maroon either for that slash. So that's evened it out right there. So I get that it's frustrating for the, the lightning that it costs them a goal, but I think the refs did fine with that. Uh, yeah, I like it. I think it should be more consistent the other way where you just don't call anything in the regular season either. You just let them play, but that's me. And it, it's tough to build a team as a GM though. It's like, okay, I'm building a regular season team that's really, really good. And then you get to the playoffs and you have a team like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Florida Panthers. And it's like, well, gosh, we dominated in the regular season. Why aren't we having success in the playoffs? Well, maybe the rules change a little bit. Maybe we're allowed to play a little more. Maybe we're allowed to clutch and grab and hit and hack and whack and do whatever after the whistles. And maybe my team's not built for that. And I think that's exactly what happened with the Panthers, with the Hurricanes. Not so much with the Rangers. I think they just lost to a better team, but it is interesting. I don't think the Hurricanes have that makeup. I think they're a very young, fast, dynamic team. And you get to the playoffs and it's like, whoa, we can't play that way really anymore. We got Jake Truba coming across the blue line, throwing you know people's elbows everywhere. And they're clean hits, but you know maybe in the regular season, those hits get a suspension or they get a penalty. In the playoffs... That's a, that's a good clean hit. After the whistle, Ryan Reeves is like choke slamming us, and we can't do anything. So 
it, it does beg the question, do you make your team up for the playoffs or do you make your team up for the regular season? Is there a happy medium there? Because we saw it here in the Stanley Cup Finals. Anything goes. Friend, friend of mine, Ryan McDonough, was hitting people from behind like it was his job. Anytime he'd go into the corner, he was blasting people. Crucial part of the game, he buries Darren Helm from behind. I'm like, Darren Helm, did he sell that? And they show the replay. And he's like, no. He just threw him into the boards from behind. He's teeth off the dasher. It was incredible. All right. So Colorado wins the cup. Massive celebrations. Not really. It's so anticlimactic. Climactic? Who cares? And it's happened the last few seasons where you win the Stanley Cup and you're on the road. It's so, it just sucks the energy out of the building. I'm sitting there watching it with the people who I watch with, and it's almost laughable. Colorado hands the cup off. You get it to a guy and he skates around and no one's cheering. He does a one and he says, let's go. And he spins around, hands it to the next guy. Let's go. So hands and let's go. It's, it's just, it's too bad. It's too bad they went, didn't win it in game five because if, you know if they're in Colorado and people are going nuts, there's confetti, there's, there's, it would be incredible. It'd be tremendous, but it's not. You're in Tampa Bay. Everybody's walked out. You have your few family members there, and it's just boring. It was like, ah, and here's, here's what irked me the most. Okay. ESPN's covering the, the show. Did you watch the ESPN broadcast and your ESPN plus, Tim? I did, yep. So did I. During the game, the coaches get interviewed. After the periods, the players get interviewed. Emily Kaplan did a great job. The one thing she did the whole time, she had a mask on. Game one, game two, game three, game four, game five. Before the game, during the game, after the game, always has a mask on. For some reason, game six, she has has a mask on pregame. She has the mask on during the game. After the game, once the Stanley Cup is awarded, she's out on the ice interviewing players. Mask is gone. COVID doesn't exist anymore. The mask is gone. She's out there interviewing players. People are screaming. They're hugging. They're having a good time, but she's not wearing a mask anymore. And I, I don't want to get into this whole COVID stuff or this and that. It just bothered me. It's like you can't all of a sudden send these signals and just I'm wearing my mask, I this and that, I'm on the bench, and then all of a sudden you're on the ice and you can just not even have to wear it anymore. It was so, so stupid. I didn't like that. If you're going to send that signal, you want to wear a mask, wear it the whole time, baby. You know what I mean? Just don't all of a sudden take it off. I know you don't like talking about this, Tim, but it just bothered me. Well, she tweeted... She posted about this last week and said she was required to wear it. And she I, she didn't necessarily say that she didn't want to or that she wouldn't if she if she didn't have to. But she did say that she was required to wear it in all those interviews because she gets she gets asked about that a lot. And everyone tweeting at her like, why are you wearing a mask? No one else is. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm guessing that she either she got the green light for the post game celebration to just take it off or she's like, whatever, like I, throw me a fine if you want. But I'm not wearing it. For like This is the biggest moment of the year and there's no more hockey this summer. So I'll just deal with it. So if that's the why. case, I like that. If that's the case, that's great because it, it was so dumb. She's on the bench wearing a mask, like, and then all of a sudden it's gone. It, it just, I didn't see that tweet. So if that's the case, good on you, Emily, because it's such a joke. Like it's such a complete joke. But anyways, moving on. Pass the cup around. I'm always interested in that. Okay. Captain gets the cup. Gabe Landeskog. 
Typically, you hand it off to your assistant captain when you haven't won the cup before. This is Colorado's first cup in 21 years. He gets the cup. I'm fully anticipating him to turn around, hand it to Nathan McKinnon, your assistant captain, the guy who's been there for a decade. They've built for this. They've gone through the losing seasons, being last place in the NHL. This is it. Give it to Nathan McKinnon. He turns around. Who does he give it to, Tim? I was, I was very, not completely shocked, but I had to do a double take. I was like, what? Who are we giving the cup to? Uh, Eric Johnson. And I actually love this, and I, I wasn't shocked. I thought this might be the case. He's the longest ten- tenured Avalanche player. He played two and a half seasons for St. Louis when he was drafted. Uh, was he first overall pick? Yeah, 2005. Um, and then and then he got traded to the Avalanche, and he's been there for 12 and a half years. Um, this is his first cup. He's played a ton of games, 800-something games. He's missed some time with injury. But, yeah, I thought that was a really nice moment because he was obviously thrilled and and – you know, you could have gone to either the Rantanen or McKinnon, but going to him and tipping your cat to a guy who's been there forever it was a really cool moment. I didn't like it. Uh, of course you didn't. I didn't like it. Why? Go to him. Go to him fourth. Go to him fourth. Go to your assistant captains, your leadership groups, the the guys who are your your leaders. Should have went Landeskog. Should have went McKinnon. Should have went Rantanen. Is Rantanen the other A? Yeah. Yes. Should have went those three. Then you give it to Eric Johnson. But to to pour salt on my wound, as I'm already super upset that they're handing it to Eric Johnson and <laughs> I can't even enjoy it. Eric Johnson turns around and gives it to a guy who's been on the team for two months. A guy who has, yes, he's been in the league for a long time. No business getting this cup the second time. Or this to be the third guy, the second handoff. Andrew Cogliano. Great. Great playoffs, loved his effort, big part of this win. What is he doing getting the cup second? Give it to the guy who won you the stinking cup, your assistant captain, the face of the franchise. Give it, give it to him. It, it really irked me. And Andrew Cogliano's skating around. You have been, you still live in a hotel in Colorado. You don't even have a place there because you were a deadline acquisition. I didn't like it. I what didn't does like that have it to do all. with anything. For, He's I mean, so new to the team. This is a team sport. And just because you've played a lot of games before you've gotten to our team, you all of a sudden get the cup before our star player, the guy who won us this Stanley Cup, the face of our franchise, the guy we built our whole team around. The guy who, if he goes down, we don't do anything. The guy who, after the game, everyone's talking about how good he was. He doesn't get the cup second or third. You know, I so here's here's the order. Landis Gallag, Eric Johnson, Cogliano, which I love. 1,100 games played, John. He's never won a cup before. I thought who that cares? was a great moment. Who cares? Everyone cares. Everyone but you, because you got to be in your bonnet for something. Because they're the same as Ray Bork, right? Because that makes sense. Ray Bork, arguably the greatest defenseman of all time, has the most points in history for defensemen. He's the same as Eric Johnson and Andrew Cogliano. No bueno. No thanks. Why are we talking about Ray Bork? Because this all started with Bork. It all started with Bork. Traditionally, captain, assistant, assistant. That's how it traditionally goes. And that's the way it should be. Those are our leaders. That's what we look to when times go times go south. You don't just all of a sudden. If, I, I blame Landis Scott. I blame Landis Scott. He should have taken no. the cup and looked for McKinnon. Eric Johnson should have reached for it, and Landis Scott should have kicked him right in the chest. Said, "Get out of my way. I know you've been here a long time. There's a reason 
Eric Johnson is not an assistant captain or a captain. Why does he not have a, have, have a letter? Why? Tell me. I have no idea. No, neither do you. The longest tenured player on that team, and he doesn't even have a letter? That speaks volumes He's, to me. No, it doesn't. He's worn oh. the captain. He's worn the A at different times in his career. Oh, but he doesn't any. He year. doesn't anymore. He doesn't anymore. That's that's strange. That's interesting. <laughs> no, should have never got a I, second. Cogliano should have never got a third. If I'm Nathan McKinnon, I'm steam's coming out of my ears. I'm fuming. No, it was McKinnon's idea. It had to have been. I love this because because you know he could have been second, and then you're like, okay. Eric Johnson, that makes sense. He's the longest guy there. He hasn't won. He's been around forever. And then as soon as Eric Johnson passed to the Cogliano, I said, you know what? McKinnon set this whole thing up because because he could have been that guy. It was deference there. He was deferring to, his, to the other guys on his team who had been there, not been in, necessarily in Colorado, but been in the league longer, hadn't won a cup yet. That was leadership to me. It's like you're talking about, oh, it should have been this guy first because that's the customer edition. No, I thought it was really, really cool moment from him. I know for a fact that McKinnon was the one who helped orchestrate that. And they work out the order. This isn't a surprise. Did you just say you know for a fact? Yes. How do you know for a fact? Tell Listen, me, tell you me your, it. tell me, tell me how you know for a fact. Yeah, you were watching the game last night, right? Yeah, did you, you see Nathan the, uh, go up and hand everybody? You get it one, you get it two, you get it three. You, John, you know that they they or, they organize us a little bit. At least the first three or four, you know what the order is going to be. The players know. I don't know that. They do. They they do. <laughs> they work it out. <laughs> this is like a known thing i'm not making this up you can't say you know for a fact and then after mckinnon goes which i thought was great and then jack johnson which was a really cool moment too he's got more than a thousand games played i thought you know he's been through a lot obviously with the 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 money stuff first cup he was the happiest of the bunch he was the one that like held nothing back and his screaming and his uh, cheering. I thought that was a really cool moment for them. And there's the, the, the other cool stat, Andrew Cogliano and Jack Johnson both have over a thousand games played, became the 18th and 19th players in NHL history to win their first cup after appearing in over a thousand regular season games. So it's not a very common thing, which is why they're up as high up in the, uh, in the order as they are. DoorDash, when I get fired up, I can't talk about this anymore. I'm, I'm, I strongly disagree. <laughs> like I, I could see Eric Johnston. I could maybe see that because he's been there for so long. Andrew Cogliano has no business being in the top five in my mind or even six. Okay. okay. Who, so who made that choice in your mind? Eric Johnson made that choice or Cogliano just say it's mine now. What? I think Landis made that choice and he turns around and Eric Johnson's there. Because Eric no, Johnson, Johnson wants to, to Cogliano. I think Cogliano skates up and grabs it because he's a little weasel. No, he's not. <laughs> but here, here's the order. This is how it should have gone down. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, Kale McCarr, Andrew Cogliano. That's that's the order there. And then it, then it goes Nazim Kadri. Then it goes uh, after Manson the shoe skin. Oh no, sorry, we got to get the goalie in there. So the goalie's after Makar. Then then Kemper gives it to Cogliano. That's so Cogliano slots in at nine. It's like eight for me. Now. Yeah. Well, it was a deadline it, acquisition. It, neither um, Kadri, I think, was right after Jack 
Jack Johnson. Like, I don't think Branton and or McCarr were very high at all. They might not have no. even been in the top 10. Which is, oh, because that makes sense. Yeah, give it to Cogliano, who has fourth-line player who just got picked up at the deadline. Why don't you give Alex Newhook a shot? Yeah, all the black aces get to get it before Kale McCarr. The Norris trophy, hey. the Conn Smythe trophy you- winner. What do you think about the Black Aces being on the ice in full gear for the celebration? I think it's fine. They're part of that team. Totally okay with it. It's, it's weird equipment. to see them so They're wearing shoulder pads and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a thing. It happens every year. I would have loved to do that, being a Black Ace. They're a part of the team. They're just as important. Maybe not just as important, but they are an important part of the team. So get them out there. The name's going to be on the cup. Not all of them. Some of them. Good. For, what's weird to me was when the Black Aces are shaking hands with the Lightning. And they're like, yeah, I don't know who you are. You're not sweating. I haven't played against you at all in six games. But yeah, great job. <laughs> it's just like beat it. Like, don't shake the hands. I think you stay in the corner and then you come out again. Like, you celebrate, you go away, you do the handshake, and then you come back for the cup celebration. But yeah, that's that was a little bit much. All right, DoorDash. Promo codes, GlovesDD, if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US. If you're in the US of A, get yourself some food. Get yourself some champagne if you're a Colorado Avalanche fan, or just some just some beers if you're a Tampa fan. Drain your sorrows and use DoorDash to do it. GlovesDD, if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US, get yourself 25% off free delivery. DoorDash is a great company. Use them. All right. What else are we talking about this? Con Smythe winner. Speaking of Con Smythe. What do you think about this? I know I always ask you questions. We talked about this before the show came on. Kale McCard, good choice. The obvious choice. What did you think? Yeah, good choice. And I, I you know, it's kind of crazy that he was the first unanimous winner since they started tracking this only about five years ago. So who knows how far back that really goes. But I thought it was really cool. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I remember thinking, man, McCarr has been so good. He's third in the league in, in points behind McDavid and Dreisaitl. But he didn't really have a great finals, at least statistically on paper. Like he, he was still very noticeable all, all over the ice. But there was a stat that he was like minus six or something over the last three games. He uh, a couple of turnovers, including last night. And they didn't really score a ton. He had I think he had four points in that one game, that seven nothing game, but it just wasn't his best. It wasn't his best performance in this series. I'm not knocking the guy whatsoever. He was incredible what he did over the last two months, but I thought maybe, okay, you know what? They might give this to McKinnon. Who's been also very good leads the team in goals and um, was, you know, was the guy in the finals, especially last night. So I was, I thought it could have been McKinnon, but I have no problems with it being the car. Yeah. You know, I I hate to be this guy, always so negative, but I I'll play the devil's advocate. It shouldn't have been Kale McCart. Because when you when you look at the Stanley Cup finals, the, the final round, which player for Colorado had the greater impact? Was it McCarr or was it McKinnon? It was McKinnon. Yeah. So But it's not it, just for the finals, is it? Okay, That's- then give it to McDavid. <laughs> give it to McDavid. He's got more points than McCarr. Why not give it to him? When I watched every single game of the finals, McKinnon was the best player on the ice consistently every single game. And then the next best player probably was Kucherov. Those were the two best players. It wasn't McCarr. He, he had an okay finals. It, was, it wasn't Kale McCarr-esque in the first two games. He did some things that were silly. He had glimpses of when he you know would coast to coast, 
show off his speed, his talent. But for the most part, Tampa Bay neutralized him. Like you said, he was dash six in the last few games. He, he was, he played a lot. He played good defensively, but it was Nathan McKinnon. I was surprised he got all 18 first place votes. I think that's a case of just, he's the sexy choice. He's the hot, hot car you got in the garage and you want to take it out for a spin. He's, he's the guy right now. It's not McKinnon. Who's just your steady as she goes guy. He's not very exciting. You saw his post game interview. It was fantastic. He's thanking everybody's dad is pseudo dad. I don't know the situation there. It was, he's a good dude. Nathan McKinnon. He knew he was going to win because his room number had 87 and he loves Sidney Crosby. They're, they're good friends. I'm like, this guy's good. He's a good guy, but they gave it to Kale McCarr. I'm not upset with the choice. You know, he did things. He led all defensemen in points. He won the Norris this year. He had a great playoffs, but I, I still think McKinnon should have got it. What are the stats? How big was this McCarr con or uh, con Smythe went Tim? Yeah. So he finished the playoffs with more points than all, but three defensemen in NHL history with 29 points. Those three guys are Al McKinnis, Brian Leach, and Paul Coffey. So he's in, he's in elite company there. And on top of that, only three defensemen have won the Smythe and Norris trophies in the same season. Those guys are Bobby, Bobby Orr, who did it twice, Nicholas Lidstrom, and now Kale McCarr. So we talked about like him going down as one of the best defensemen of all time if he continues this trajectory. And he's already doing things at whatever, what is he, 23 years old? That is just incredible. And he's also the first player to win a Conn Smythe and a Hobie Baker award, which is the best college player. So just he's got every trophy. His, his hardware store is full of them already, and uh, he's still only 23 years old. And these guys aren't going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. That's what I, I said at the opening of the show. Let me ask you this. I, I was hanging around with a friend of the show, Detroit Red Wings fan, Andrew Benson, a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, why is it when we talk about the best defenseman of all time, no one ever mentions, or very rarely, they mention Nicholas Lidstrom. He, his name never gets brought up. It's always Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, Larry Robinson, Ray Bork. Chris Chalios, even a Scott Stevens gets thrown in there. Chris Pronger. Why is it that Lidstrom's name never, I don't want to say never. It's very rarely mentioned with all these elite defensemen. I, I, I'm just posing that. It, you don't have to answer that, but it's just funny. And then you get a stat like this where there's only three defensemen who've won the Smites and the Norris in the same season. And Lidstrom's right there with a Bobby Orr and a Kale car. Is that funny? I don't – people do talk about Lidstrom. I still – in my mind, he's a top three with, with Bork and Orr. I think that's – that's. I, I don't know what order I put him in. I'm probably putting Lidstrom third, but he's still in that conversation easily, and people w- might want to put Paul Coffey ahead of him, but I, Lidstrom is top three for sure for me. So I, when, I, when, this, when that conversation happens, I usually see his name being brought up. We're going to have to go fact check that because I know we did a best defenseman of all time, and I don't think he was in your top three. I don't know. All right, moving on. Let's talk about a couple players for Colorado that were impact players. McKinnon, one goal, one assist, diving in front of pucks last minute of the game, securing the victory for Colorado. He should have won the con Smythe. He was big time. Talk about Nazim Kadri, kind of slaying some demons coming into this playoffs round in the 2022 playoffs. He was known as a guy who was going to get suspended, a guy you couldn't rely on, a guy you put him out there in a crucial situation. He will let you down. He definitely disproved some of his doubters. Were you surprised by how Kadri came back and then how well he played in the first half of this playoffs before he got injured? 
not surprised because we knew that he could be effective when he stayed on the ice. The problem was, can he stay on the ice? And it seemed like, I mean, there was like three playoffs in a row where he got suspended with with uh, Toronto and then even with the Avalanche a couple of years ago. And then he gets hurt. So you're like, okay, he's behaving himself. He's producing. And then he gets hurt. You're like, oh, he's, poor guy can't catch a break. Battles back. Probably played sooner than, than he would normally have played, except for the fact that it was a Stanley Cup Finals. And I, I was, I was proud of him. I was like, this is this is a guy who's battled back and kind of silencing his doubters. And they win. They give him the mic in this interview on live TV. Well, hold on, let me just say this: he's grown so much. You know, he he's grown. He's a mature player, and to show that he's a mature player, that he's changed, you know, that he's turned the other cheek, that he really is a mature guy that you can rely on. You can just. This is this is me. I, I'm this guy. What does he say to the people after winning the Stanley Cup? You should be super happy. You should be on top of the world. What does Nazim Kadri say to prove that he's just he's over it, man? He's a Stanley Cup champion. What does he say? He says, for those who thought I was a liability in the playoffs, they can kiss my ass. A leopard never changes his stripes. Bingo, bango. Kadri's a piece of garbage, and he nailed it. No, right there. I love stop that. It. Love Stop that. It. Thank you. you know what? He, that was, was I, almost, I almost thought he was going to do the right thing and say, you know what? I, I this and that and take responsibility for his past past problems. Nope. You're a jerk. Love it. Wear it with pride. My friend kiss my ass. He says to everybody who thought I was a problem. Guess what? You were a problem and you still are. Thank you. Nazim Kadri for never changing. I love it. Fantastic. John, man, your worldview is just something else. It's crazy. I, I thought it was great. And this is one of the things that uh, Dubas sort of said but didn't say when they, when they traded him a couple of years ago was he kind of made those comments. So those direct, were directed at Dubas and other people in Toronto who thought that he couldn't live up to this moment, and, and he did. So I have no problem with that. I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. And I thought it was, like, very um, raw and honest and transparent that he would kind of say what he was feeling in that moment. So I thought that was great. No, I love it when people take zero accountability. Here's a fact check for Nazim Kadri. If you don't get suspended the last three playoff series, you could have potentially four Stanley Cup rings. Fact check. Possibly true. So for you to say this, for those who thought I was a liability, let me refer. You are a liability. You are a liability. And that's just how you are. So embrace it. Don't just all of a sudden don't take responsibility for that. I, I didn't like that quote. I, I, let me change. I love that quote because he's owning it. He's like, it's not my fault. It's never my fault. It's you guys. It's not me. All those suspensions. They were, they were me. That's not me. You guys, I just want to Stanley cup. That's not me. That that's, that's your, your guys's fault. Taking zero responsibility for any of his prior actions. I, I love that. And you love it. Too. You? It's, it's great. Oh, uh. You're insane. This is this what do you is mean? A, I would say it. It's it's clear as day. For those who thought I was a liability in the playoffs, kiss my ass. Because I'm not. How is that him? How is that? So he he is he's absolved of the previous suspensions. He's proving them wrong. He's like, hey, you thought I was a liability? Look what I just did. Look what I just did. Now I got a ring in my finger. I thought it was great. I thought it was uh, fantastic. No, he's not proving them wrong. He's just, he's saying I wasn't a liability. Yes, you were. You potentially cost your team Stanley Cups for the last three seasons. You big, you big jerk. 
All right, moving on. Another thing that proves my points. How do you win Stanley Cup? Strong down the middle, good back end. Who cares who's in net? Doesn't matter. Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Darcy Kemper, good goalie, not a great goalie. Played good this game. Not a lot of action in the third period. Two shots. One came from the red line on a dump in. And another one was a Kucherov shot that it was a good save. Kucherov probably wanted a better shot, maybe elevate a little more. He's getting a goal there, but I don't know. Does does Kempford get any accolades for the Stanley Cup championship, or is this the Landeskog, McKinnon, McCarr show, and Kempford's just along for the ride? So I saw a stat this morning tweeted out by one of those NHL stats accounts, and it had all the goalies ranked in the playoffs based on a couple of advanced metrics. And the, the one that they were the sorting by was goals saved above expected. So how many goals are you supposed to save? And then where do you rank against that average? And and for reference, uh, Shosturkin was number one. He's plus 18.6 right behind him. Or Vasilevsky. That's insane. Plus 18. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and like in like twenty games, it's like yeah. it's insane. Um, and Vasilevsky right behind him, Ottinger's right behind him, Markstrom's up there. So just kind of th- those are the guys that are the, that's the measuring stick there. Kemper was twenty eighth among goalies in the entire playoffs, twenty eighth, uh, and his his goals saved above expected was minus four point two. No. So he's letting in more goals than he should statistically. But yes, to answer your question, you have to give him the accolades there because he made the saves that you needed him to make. That one that he made on that Kucherov one-timer was awesome. And it does kind of prove like we saw the last couple – well, not the last couple of years with Vasilevsky, but going back to like the teams like the Hadobin, they Dallas Stars didn't win, but the way, they went on a crazy run with a goalie who was a career backup and a career like 1A type goalie. So I thought it was really neat to – Kemper, you got to give him some accolade for stepping up in the big moments and making the saves you need to. Yeah, he was good. That and for the one save in the third period that he had to make, he was good. One one save, you know, it, it proves my point. You don't need an elite goaltender to win a Stanley Cup in this league, this day and age. The way the defense plays, look at to be able to buckle down and and shut down a team in a third period. I don't care who the team is to hold them to one shot, legit one shot. That's incredible. Like that, that, that was a defensive master cast class. Like I said, and they did it the whole playoffs, Colorado. I saw an interesting stat too, Tim. I'm you're not the only one with the stats goal differential, the entire playoffs. The second highest team was Tampa Bay goal differential of plus six, the entire playoffs. That's the second best team. Colorado was plus 30. That's 24 more goals. They've won by margin of difference than the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's insane. This playoffs was not about Colorado being the best team. This playoffs was about Colorado saying, we are dominating everybody. The closest series they had was versus St. Louis, because that's because they had goaltender issues. This Tampa Bay series was Colorado's every single game. They were a dominant team all season long. They started off a little slow in the regular season. Everybody questioned them. Once they found their footing, once they got Andrew Cogliano, gosh, he should have got the cup first. They were the dominant team this whole season. It was fun to watch them. They deserved to win the Stanley Cup, and it was it was a great season for the Avalanche. They, they, they were the best team from start to finish. There was no Cinderella, Cinderella story. Tampa couldn't win it three times. It was finally an end to Pat Maroon's dominance. 15 straight um, series wins. Ties them for like 
something super high. Like that was incredible. Another NHL record, poor Corey Perry. First player in NHL history to lose three straight cups with three different teams. That's that is that will never happen again. That's incredible. Didn't happen to a better guy. Did it. He every scrum. I watched the game with a guy who doesn't watch much hockey. And after every in every scrum, he's like, "Why is that Corey Perry in every scrum?" And my only answer was, "Because he's a dirtbag." Like that's the only answer I could give him. That's just what he does. His job is to be a dirtbag. His career projection and trajectory—not projection, trajectory—it's amazing how he he's stayed relevant and just he's always been a little bit of a rat. But he he went from being a star, Hart nominee like the guy in your team and to accept the fact that you're now a third, fourth line guy, you get some power play time and to embrace that and to excel at it. That's impressive. You got to give Corey Prairie his props. Like he knows where his butter is bread right now. Bread is buttered more of the map. Right now. And he, and he does it well. He's going to get in the scrums. He's going to initiate scrums. He's going to do what he has to do to be an impact on the game. And you got to give him kudos. All right. Another Interesting little tidbit there. Kucherov, 25 seconds left. We talked about the icing at the beginning of the show when it was, is it going to be an icing? Is it not? The ref's there. Hedman's there. He's not skating very hard. Icing's waved off. Kucherov is heading back to his bench to get a stick. I don't know if his stick broke. His stick got knocked out of his hands. There was some confusion there. He goes to the trainer area. He flips out. No stick ready. Instead of being patient and getting a stick and getting back in the play to win the game when there's 25 seconds left and you're the best player in the world, potentially, and you're the best player on your team, and you really only have one good line on Tampa Bay, he decides to do the mature thing and start throwing his gloves everywhere. Is this, I don't want to say a case for millennials, but if I were to, but if I were to just show a little clip of the definition of a millennial, it would be this clip. It would be Nikita Kucherov in a pressure-packed moment when you need him and you have to score, one thing doesn't go his way and he loses his marbles and he starts throwing his gloves and he can't handle it because he didn't get it his way and his stick wasn't ready for him perfectly the way it should be. And it should be there. As a trainer, your job is to look at the guys on the ice and hand them a stick. That's your job. Only job. That's it. I know there was confusion. Everyone expected there to be an icing. You still have to do that job. Does that give Kucherov the right to just completely check out and snap and throw his gloves and just have a hissy fit on the ice? And we, 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 bad mommy, mommy, I'm my stick. And I don't want to say he costs his team his game, but if I want to score a goal and I have the goalie pulled, I want Kucherov on the ice. He could have got his stick. Got back in the play, still 20 seconds left, plenty of time to score a goal. You probably loved what Kucherov did, Tim, right? What, what did you think of it? No, I so I didn't catch it last night. I saw it this morning and I thought it was I I, I thought it was terrible. And because he didn't just like throw his gloves everywhere. He's he's like almost jumping up and down in the ice, like trying to get his the stick from the trainer, who like you said, it was everyone thought it was going to be an icing. The trainer probably included. I don't think he was ready to jump in at that moment. He should have been, but you can kind of see why that happened. And when he doesn't get the stick right away, he takes off his gloves and throws it at the trainer and he's screaming at him. And then, and then he just gives up. Someone else hops on instead. And this whole thing, like you can see how it led to this moment because because they feel like neither of those goals against them should have counted. And they feel like they get, they get screwed in that, in that non-icing call and all these frustrations boiling up. You can't get any offense going. 
and two shots the whole period. You're like, and uh, and even Kucherov himself thought that he should have scored earlier that period. He didn't get all of it up on that one timer, like we said. All those things blowing up in this moment, and yeah, he just did not handle it well. Didn't present himself well. So no, I wasn't a fan of that. I think uh, he should be embarrassed today when he, when he thinks about it. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by your reaction. Usually, you uh, stick up for that type of behavior. This is this is one time, a, one time. Right now, this is good. I, I I like this, Tim. This is a good change. I, I'm very happy. I've grown a I, lot. I've grown a lot. You are working on myself. It's, it's nice to see the progression. All right, the Stanley Cup's over. Colorado has won. What do we do now with points bet, Tim? <laughs> how do how do we work this? Because do we just start betting random stuff now and hopefully people do points bet with us? Because I love points bet. I want to keep doing it. What do we do now, Tim? Well, I won so much money. I'm not going to stop just because hockey's over. But yeah, I got to figure out my new strategy. Maybe some baseball. I do like some baseball. Uh, been following basketball, been maybe. Basketball. Yeah, that's over. Who won? Don't, John. Don't. Still, oh, yeah, Boston sore. lost. Boston Still lost. But we'll figure it out. Other, just go to points bet. Check it out. We'll, we'll game plan. Maybe we can get into the baseball. I'll get. I'll be riding the Toronto Blue Jays train now that they're got. They're going hot and heavy. But, uh, anyways, thanks everybody for watching. We appreciate the support this season. We'll probably scale back the shows. Maybe pump the brakes and do two a week instead of three a week, but we'll still be around. We'll do some good interviews. We'll do some in-depth breakdowns of all the happenings of going on recap the playoffs, probably next show, give an in-depth dive on how everything went down. What can we expect from free agency and all the fun stuff that comes along with hockey, because you think that that hockey's going to be over and all of a sudden, Oh gosh, just around the corner. It's almost July 1st. We got free agency. Then we got the draft. Then we got this and we got that. And we're right back into training camp. And, there's lots to talk about and break down. So everybody enjoy your break, celebrate some Colorado avalanche Stanley cup celebrations and just have a good week. Everybody. Anything you got to say, Tim? No, thanks for listening. As always, we'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.